0: Welcome to episode five of the Think Like a Bartender podcast. I'm your host, L.D. Morrow. Now, this podcast is an extension of the new book, Think Like a Bartender, Recipes for Life, that is available now where all books are sold. If you want, you can also grab the audiobook at audible.com. Now, for each podcast, we sit down with the premier bartender or life tender from around the country, and we discuss booze, bars business and my book in that order now the topic for this week's podcast is based off of a chapter in my book titled liquid courage I think we all have experienced that and can relate to the topic with me today is Jay Silverman hey Jay how you doing I'm doing great how are you I am doing as best I can in these tumultuous times <laughs> um, I do kind of want to start off with letting the audience know a little bit about you. Um, now, as a former beverage director at Agave in New York City, for those of you who are in the tri-state area and have ever been to that restaurant, really cool restaurant in the village, uh, Jay Silverman, he actually turned what was already an excellent tequila bar and a drink program into a very memorable and unique destination for tequila and Mescal aficionados. Uh, He spent about 12 years as a professional chef in four-star restaurants and in hotels. And having prepared his palate to really kind of appreciate the various, you know, intricacies and the wide range of tequilas that can be found on the market, uh, this was the perfect uh, career for him. Uh, As a traveler to Jalisco and the tequila regions of Mexico, Jay studied firsthand the process of how tequila is made, to bring that appreciation to others. Now, if his name sounds familiar, Jay's cocktails have also been featured in Men's Health, USA Today, Epicurious, Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Good Day New York, and the cover of Cheers, which is a really great uh, bar business magazine. Uh, Jay currently lives in Phoenix. You're in Phoenix now, right?
1: Scottsdale, yeah.
0: All right, he's currently in Scottsdale in Phoenix. And uh, he, enjoys, he enjoys traveling, dining, and researching cultures and cuisines. Um, this particular podcast is really close to my heart because Jay and I have known each other probably close to, I'd say, 15 years. Uh, when I first moved to New York from New Jersey back in the day, I was living in an area called Gramercy, um, which was off like 18th and uh, between 1st and 2nd Avenue, and a friend of mine introduced me to this bar. And I went to this bar, and there was always this really cool bartender. And not only did he make great drinks, he had the knowledge. And, and those of you who were aficionados and appreci- appreciators of great te- uh, tequila or whiskey or whatever your spirit of choice may be, you know what it's like to have someone who can really walk you through kind of some of the great. Uh, fragrances and notes in tequilas, and and Jay for a couple years, I would go sit at the bar in that corner. You remember, right there in that corner, and you know, I order a couple of drinks during happy hour, and he'd say, well, "Try this. You know, this is the Frida Kahlo. Try this. This is the Fortaleza." And I really learned a lot of the the beautiful uh, nuances of tequila because it wasn't a, a spirit that I actually drank a lot of in the past, so you know, you actually started my palate appreciation for that spirit, so I say thank you. I think it's the first time I'm saying thank you. And Agave, uh, where he worked at the time, was home for me for many years. I had birthday parties, I brought friends over, and uh, we made it one of the staples in New York. So I'm
1: glad we have those memories together. I love that corner and that there's so many great memories and that bar was so special to me. It It was, like you said, it was home for you and home for me. I call it my second home, but it was really a fortunate experience to be there. With so many members there. <laughs> it was great. You know, I
0: um, I started one of my first businesses at that bar. You know, when I'm at a bar, it, the noise at a bar is very soothing to me. And I started a nonprofit uh, just sitting at the bar. I remember sitting there, I would come with like a notepad and I just write. And, you know, that is really kind of close to my heart. So, uh, thank you for all the great drinks and also the friendship
1: yeah there's, we had some great people and great times there the place is actually really unique I, I, I was thinking about it last night when we getting talking about this the bar the design is so unique it's a very cool space it's, not un, it's unlike any other restaurant or bar in New York starting with the way it was built into an old neighborhood and the, the shape and the bottleneck and the feel of the bar mm-hmm. um but it it brings everybody together and it's just amazing because there is this curve in the bar and that's that corner that you're talking about that was highly sought after you know yes. you could Mike the adder over there it might be you there might be a little bit of a race to the seat you know a guy named Richie is over there there's um, yeah there's, yeah <laughs> there's the other Richie there's all these people um even chatine on his day off <laughs> there's all mm-hmm. these people in that corner so it's like it's just the way that it was an incredible space and when i walked through the doors there i felt good and um i stayed there for six over six years which is a long time in the bar business for one spot. and i wanted i wish i stayed longer
0: no absolutely it was it was really great and every time i brought a friend it was almost like a a rite of passage if i brought you into agave you know you meant something to me you know if i brought you in there um so what? Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into bartending? So I know you spent several years as a professional chef. How did you make that transition to
1: behind the bar? Well, like you mentioned the tequilas before, I was really considered myself a tequila bartender almost before I became a, a regular bartender who knew, knows how to make all the, all the drinks. Um, you know, doing a Manhattan or, or an Old Fashioned came much later for me. It was really kind of odd because I had this collection of tequila as a cook um, living in Arizona and then going back to the East Coast. I just love things that tasted good. And mm-hmm. knowing, um, finding these tequilas, um, I had these experiences when I was in college I dated this girl in California and flew across the country, went out there and had some amazing memories, um, some of it based on tequila. There was you go. <laughs> an amazing, amazing, amazing time. And I kind of like unlocked this secret um, to these great tequilas at this restaurant in Santa Monica once. And um, that was a long time ago. That was like well over 20 years ago. So, um from that i kind of um, always wanted to drink good tequila and growing as a cook i started really getting a good uh, collection going mm-hmm. and then when my parents moved to phoenix like 20 years ago and i kind of followed along in 2006 for a couple years stayed here for two or two and a half years and met my wife before i moved back to new york but during that time in arizona i found it was uh appealing i i got uh, an easy pop skip and it jumped down to Mexico and was able to um, have this incredible experiences at the tequila distilleries and meet these incredible people and just kind of research and do all this, it, do all this, um, all these cool tequila experiences that kind of uh, started me out on this really cool path of just knowing a lot about tequila that was like never in a million years thought I would jump behind the bar. I was happy yeah. cooking and I loved, cuisine i loved italian food i was really good at cooking and i was a sous chef at a big restaurant in arizona for a while but um when the chance came for me to go back to the east coast um it was back to the italian food um yeah. my wife and I yeah. moved back to massachusetts and then i was in nantucket cooking this beautiful italian food with handmade pasta and seasonal menus that changed every couple of weeks uh.
0: Um, I was, love
1: I love Nantucket. <laughs> Nantucket, if you haven't if, if you haven't been, I mean, anybody who gets a chance to go there, it's a very special place. Um, I feel blessed to have even made it there. I mean, not everybody makes it there. It's it's not easy to get to. You got to take the ferry. You got to take a small plane. Yeah, but once you get to um, Nantucket, it's very special. So I was fortunate to spend a season there, and then interestingly enough, you know, after having this incredible experience cooking this beautiful Italian food with one of my best friends in the world who has an incredible restaurant in Boston now uh, called Pammy's but going through that season and before that I grew up in Massachusetts and Rhode Island so I was close to home Um, at the end of the season I told my my wife that um, we better take this opportunity to get married there because it was such an amazing place. And on the last day of the season, all the way at the end, of this is October now. Um, mm-hmm. The it's is finally kind of ending. And then in the winter, it just kind of shuts down a little bit. But um, uh, it was uh, basically like October 4th, um, 2009. And we, we got married on the beach there. The very So next you got day, married
0: in Nantucket?
1: Yeah. The wedding was very simple. Uh, There's a good things like involved. The very next day, we moved to New York City, and I I had to report to work. Musfolia had one location in New York and one in Nantucket, so the owner said, you know, why don't you come to New York and give it a shot? And that led me to the next few experiences led me to Agave, where I said, you know what? Maybe I can do a little bartending. I know a lot about tequila, but um, I made a big transition from 12 years of cooking to jump behind the bar. And um, it was just such a uh, lucky opening for me. So um, that's why I stayed for so long and I really embraced it and had a really life-changing fun experiences. I think that's great. And um,
0: one of the beautiful things that, you know, I love about the story is most bartenders that I've interviewed for this podcast, very few started through the traditional means. Very few say, Oh yeah, I went to ABC bartending school and then I, you know, got my first job. And I think that's the beauty of the industry. You know, some people happen happen upon bartending, they fall into it, but then there's, there's a love for it. And then, and then there's a respect for it. And I think that's something that's really, really interesting. And so for you, you're basically, if I heard you correctly, a lot of your passion with tequila was tied to you being a chef.
1: Yeah, I mean that's kind of just what tastes good. What what's worth drinking? What's worth spending money on? So once I had that knowledge of tequila, I um, I just kind of um, took advantage of of that. Um, it was it was really hard to get um, hired as a bartender the first time in New York City though. Like that's not something that you can just run, walk over and say like oh, I want to start bartending. You have to yeah. really you have to really uh, prove that you can do it, and um, mm-hmm. so that's why it was. I was just blessed to have that opportunity um, to meet the family that owned Agave and go through. Um, I was actually really persistent to get in the door at Agave. I think I was, you know, waiting around on a, I went went on a Friday afternoon once. I don't know why, because I know better in the restaurant business. You know, you don't want to go on a Monday or something. Right, never on you know James O'Hanlon, and just waiting for James for like an hour and a half, and he's not coming up, he's, he's just kind <laughs> of hold up, he's kind of hold up, you know, checking on his Pandora, and you know, doing some music, and trying to learn how to pay the bills. He was brand new at the time, so when I mm. started, he had just started three, like three weeks before, so okay. I was just lucky to get my foot in the door, and I really had to be persistent and tell him like, listen, I can do this, I can... You know, I can work lunches, and did, little did I know that like nobody went to agave for lunch. It was all happy hour, and, and yeah, and then eventually yeah. brunch scene. But the um. The way I got in there I was lucky that I followed those steps because I really had to be persistent I really wanted it and I really loved the the vibe there and um people didn't even say vibe back then it was just but it was oh yeah (laughs) you know if you
0: um you know if the listeners out there if you've taken a listen to um episode three of the podcast I interview a bartender um Shane and he talks about how he basically sat in the lobby this is his first true like bartending gig. He sat in the lobby for about, you know, three or four or five hours waiting for this guy. <laughs> yeah. Waiting for I this relate, guy to come relate. out. I to relate. get to get the job and he got the job. I I love the tenacity of bartenders. Um, you know, let's let's kind of segue into, you know, kind of why we why we are here today is to kind of celebrate and talk about the chapter liquid courage. So you know, those of you who had a chance to read the book or listen to the the audiobook, book, um, you know, every chapter has a special name to me, and I add kind of some personal stories with it. And you know, liquid courage, I talk about, you know, kind of having to reveal some really uh, personal and and, uh, and and private information to my parents. And you know, before I did it, I go to the house, and you know, I took a shot of you know. Vodka, I made a, you know, a, you know, cranberry and vodka or whatever. And I think a lot of people can associate with um, liquid courage, you know, and I think there's there's just something about that. The effects of liquid courage that some people feel like it allows them to be their real selves. But in the book, we kind of delve into, you know, is this really a true statement? Because, you know, while you can find supporting articles and documentation that supports you know, alcohol as a tool to lower inhibitions and make someone more prone to speaking their truth. It's not really a method that, you know, I generally support. Um, Several people kind of use alcohol as a catalyst for confronting the uncomfortable or, you know, as an igniter for bravery. But, you know, as most know, there is definitely a danger to using alcohol to achieve these um, results. And I think as a bartender, Jay, you can speak to moments where we've seen (laughs) fights at a bar. We've seen, you know, even if you're at a bar when there's a TV and people are watching a game, you know, you drink a little more, you're a little bit more, you know, you have that courage to kind of say something or maybe walk up to that girl or that guy or, you know, you know, stretch your chest out when someone says something to you. So I think there's definitely a yin and a yang to, uh,
1: using alcohol as a kind of a catalyst for that. One thing I have to say, like, just to keep it real about my experiences at Agave and then further on down the road after that in, in like, more professional <laughs> bars that were, like, stricter. And the way I learned to bartend, it's like we were at, in the Wild West. Like, we could do whatever we wanted. So mm-hmm. the bartenders and the guests were all part of the same team doing the same thing because we bartended with liquid liquid courage too many times and that's (laughs) that's unfortunately like the real the real truth is like sometimes you would go to agave and before you would even clock in it would there would be a tequila shot on the bar and you would start up a little sipper and i'm sure you know you've probably seen chris and the other guys like oh yeah ben Ben and and everybody yeah and um it's not really like that anymore it's kind of funny too because when i first started there there wasn't any cameras and then there was cameras (laughs) (laughs) so it got harder and more serious as we learned uh, we learned our roles and we became more professional over the years to keep up with the booming bar industry and you know all the different trends like you know in 2012 there was this you know cocktail boom in 2014 mezcal starts coming up in all these beautiful varieties and in 2016 you know everybody's just drinking a lot with the Mm -hmm. elections and so there was just so much um there's so many experiences that we um went through but it's um there was a special bond there learning how to bartend there for like six years and then the daisy uptown um yep learning it was a special bond between the guests and the bartenders because we were really all together like we would do shots with regulars a lot and mm-hmm. that's not even it's probably like not even you know it's uncouth to talk about but <laughs> that was our secret shot now why am i yeah why am i even talking about it but like yeah it was a different it was a special um kind of place and that's how we um we use the liquid courage there too much so i'm still trying to learn that lesson lolita <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, and I think it's it's okay. it's going to be, it's a lesson that is, is cyclical for a lot of people. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit, like what's happening currently in the world. But I think um, a lot of people have found their voice through um, spirits. And a lot of people have lost their voice, their jobs, their loved ones, through, um, you know, ingesting too much of it and you know the chapter liquid courage is not just about alcohol you know one thing I talk about is you know it doesn't have to be alcohol that's used as a courage booster you know when someone goes above and beyond your financial means you know if you want to own a certain car or get the latest phone and you can't afford it that's kind of a, a, a type of fake courage that you're using to present yourself in a way um, some people who want to surgically alter their their bodies specifically for the uh, appreciation of others. That could be signs of using something to kind of help your confidence, you know, in front of other people. So um, one of my, there's a really great documentary um, it's called The Truth About Alcohol actually, and I encourage if anybody wants to take a look at it, it's on Amazon. Really great documentary where they dispel a lot of myths about drinking, like a nightcap. Does it really help you sleep better? And they have this test where the guy takes the nightcap and goes to sleep and he's in a sleep um, lab. And they they measure that. And they also measure, uh, is it true that uh, if you eat before drinking, you get less drunk? And so they take the breathalyzer and they you measure two people's um, alcohol content, one before eating, one who didn't, one who already ate, and then they go out for drinks. So I think it's also just a knowledge to it, but um it's something about the celebratory moment of a toast or a shot that just makes things uh better, you know. And I've always been a person, even when I wrote the book, I, I said this book is not to celebrate the overconsumption of alcohol. It's it's to celebrate the hospitality industry, those who work day in and day out to help us and also you know celebrating the spirit i mean even from the history of prohibition so um the follow-up question for you and i think you kind of answered it but have you ever used alcohol uh for strength or courage now i know at the bar at agave we did our thing we had our shots but have you ever been like damn i have to have this conversation let me get a shot I'm like the
1: number one most wanted on that. <laughs> Honestly, I've been I've done it so many times. I'll tell you one that really stands out from when I was younger, and then one um, that even recently I still I still do it. I'm, I'm a little better now. I'm a little bit more mature and um, more balance and more uh, moderation in my drinking in mm-hmm. the last five years. But um, when I was a younger cook back in boston in my 20s um i had never done karaoke and we went out, we went out one night um and these are people that i really liked that i really knew well we were all cool and there was a i guess i was so self-conscious i was just like i need to have like a lot of drinks just to get up there and try it so I must right. have, like my normal going out at that point we were having we were some really fun times my young 20s i was go out and have five or six drinks this time I had to go out and have like eight or nine or 10 drinks just to get mm. up. And then finally it was like, well, what was all the big deal? What was the fuss about? Nobody cared. Like you had fun, but you probably don't remember. Why did you do that? Like that was so foolish. And I remember like being being an idiot about it and just drinking so much. Like I need, I'm sorry, I can't go up there. I need to do another shot and another beer. And then I can oh, wow. go out there. And then Now finally, I, I want to hear about what song it was. What did you end up doing? Oh, I don't remember. It was probably some <laughs> cool rock and roll. Um, the yeah, downside I no of Liquid Courage. <clears throat> that was a big um, memory of uh, using Liquid Courage. And then, unfortunately, like, I don't know if the specifics, but I would still use Liquid Courage, like, even recently in moderation to just do stuff that I didn't want to do or talk to people that I didn't want to talk to. Uh-huh. Or, like, if I had to... Um, deal with something I didn't want to deal with it's just yeah.
0: you know, I think a lot of it could could also be a little psychosomatic or, or a little bit you know I I've had the the opportunity to you know speak to a couple of large groups or give speeches or if I was interviewing someone and if I ever I, and I'm also this is weird I'm shameless plug I'm a wedding officiant so I've been marrying people for like 10 years right but some weddings are a little stressful because these people have spent tens of thousands of dollars. There's cameras yeah. and even though the wedding is not about me, if I flub a word or lose my
1: space, that's going to be on the memory of
0: every everybody's cell on their phone.
1: Control. Yeah. Everybody so, watching wedding has to be right on or else they're going to be feeling bad.
0: Yeah, so when they would ask me, they'd say, you know, can I get you something? I said, actually, I'd love a, you know, a Jameson. And I just think when I hold it in my hand, I feel a little calmer because honestly, by the time I swallow that drink, it hasn't gotten into my system to give me effect of anything in the first two, three minutes. But for me, it's a, it's kind of something that I, it's like my security blanket. And that's, that's the realness of really this podcast. No one is saying that they're, they're perfect and we all are, you know, works in progress, but I, I realize that a little more now, but uh right now that is what it is, you know. Um and especially yeah, especially kind of moving into, you know, this is this month is, you know, the month of March. Today is March 24th. And we're gonna get this podcast out as soon as possible. But, you know, we're right in the midst of the coronavirus and everything that's happening. And I I have a million friends in the industry who are bartenders hosts, hostesses, managers, and even restaurants who have felt the weight of it. Um, you know, just today, there were a couple of restaurants in New York City that I used to frequent that you know, when they put the shelter in place notice, they were asking restaurants to still deliver drinks and food, you know, and, which I think is great for the state authority to allow them to deliver alcohol to your home but unfortunately I mean you know more than anyone that revenue is not enough to kind of really keep things going so a lot of places have decided to just you know close their doors while this is happening uh, because staying open for walk-ins and carry out so are you experiencing a lot of
1: that um, where you are now in Scottsdale? Um, yeah I mean I, pay, I still pay close attention to what goes on in New York so I'm kind of like alert to that and um, I even follow, it's kind of interesting like Arizona is not, it, it, it's there's a lot of people that just kind of follow the trends and they don't pay enough attention to what's going on in the world so I feel like I kind of worry a little bit more than your average uh, Scottsdale resident but mm-hmm. I've been trying to pay attention to what's going on around the world, I mean this is a global crisis so like I have a friend who used to bartend at the Nomad, Chris Lauder. Oh, yeah. He's in Shanghai now. He lives in China. And he's a really brilliant, brilliant guy. And he's also just a wonderful, you know, informative um, bartender advocate, so he's been kind of filling everybody in on like what to expect, and he was actually directly responsible for like Jeff Bell from PDT doing his cocktails to go. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. He, he set up like almost like a whole guide for the for for the bartenders in New York. So to to be able to try to do that while they could, um, Sam from Attaboy, um, Laurie side, they were they had this funny little. Cocktail to go battle, but um, as soon as the um, Governor Cuomo announced that you could do the cocktails to go, Jeff Bell had like a tap keg system and beautiful bottles and labels like ready to go because he'd been kind of paying attention. So beautiful, um, but to the get to the heart of the question without going around too much. Um, yeah, um, Arizona is a little behind, and um, hopefully it won't be. Um, too painful for everybody here who doesn't pay attention to what's going on out there and staying safe but um, the restaurant industry is hurting a lot and if you pay attention to a lot of the chefs um, the chefs from around the world like um, they're just you know really looking to help their teams they're really looking to raise money fight unusual um, means of fundraising and just trying to get people to give back not just by ordering delivery because that's probably only 25% of what you would normally do yeah that's true you can't replace what goes on in a dining room where people are relaxing and having a nice dinner with right yeah um so the ones that have decided not to do takeout I respect that a lot because they're just you really just have to focus on saving lives and, and and serious like this is like an unbelievable time in the, in the world right now and it's been affecting me a lot and everybody a lot and um, one of the reasons why I tend to use the liquid courage sometimes is because I am kind of sensitive and you know stuff gets to me and like you know it just bothers me more than I don't have like the thickest skin that I wish I did I'm not as mm-hmm. mentally tough as I wish I was right. and that's really hard um, right now because, like, a little while ago, I just kind of lied down to just relax for a minute since there's no work to go and nowhere to go. Um, but when I lied down to relax for a minute, it was just, like, thoughts racing about, like, you know. Yeah. Brandon, New York, who's um, tested positive for coronavirus and he is in the hospital. And he has a he's my age and has a small, you know, son, like I, like I have two boys. And, and so it's just um, really intense right now. But to get back to the industry, um, a lot of people doing good out there to save the restaurants. There's um, the United States Bartenders Guild is doing great things. Um, the first company that stepped up, this isn't, I'm sure you have heard, but Jameson is the one that really stepped up first to donate money without anybody really coercing them to. Mm-hmm. When I saw that, after I thought about it for a minute, the first thing I realized was like, If Jameson is going to do a big donation and then hopefully continue supporting the bartenders that have supported them over the years, and um, I think they started with half a million um, for the United States Bartenders Guild, but if that's happening, I really hope and pray that like Tito's and Bullet and Jack Daniels and all these other guys guys. are going to jump on. And I even mentioned it to uh, Robert Simonson, the cocktail writer for the New York Times and, um, on Instagram. And we had a, just a quick chat and I was like, because he was, I, I felt like I w- was one of the early supporters of like, if Jameson is going to do this, let's, let's hype this up. Let's get Campari to do it. Campari owns many different brands. Let's get um, Diageo, which owns many different brands, like Don Julio. and um, Yeah. uh One, I believe. But yeah, Diageo has, but in yeah. the first couple of days that happened, I was like, let's get all these guys on board. Let's make that happen and let's, let's share that and promote that so that these larger conglomerates get involved and, like, hold them accountable. And then Bobby Hugel, who owns, like, five or six bars in Houston, um, yeah. his, his uh, most successful cocktail bar, the Anvil Bar and Refuge, in Houston, has been definitely an industry leader and in just advocating for people's rights and you know the industry and bartenders um, living wages of um, you know the servers and the busser's and the dishwashers. Um, and he was like, you know what? That's not enough. Like yeah. he started doing some math, and he was like, if Diageo is donating a million dollars, that's great, but Diageo sells like, for example, a hundred million cases of this and that. And they should be donating ten or twelve or fifteen million. He kind of like did all the math. Yeah. It's pretty eye opening. Yeah. It's really incredible to see.
0: You know, it's it's a um, it's unpre- it's an unprecedented time. And even those who are not in the hospitality industry, those who have their jobs, you know, I you know I have a family, and I know. First of all, let me say I know that we will get through this as a country. I don't have any. Uh, Uh, qualms about that you know regardless of our leadership I know we will be able to get through this because we're resilient and we will come out on the other side but we have to you know do what's being asked of us in terms of trying to stay safe trying to you know minimize this this wave of those who you know are asymptomatic or those who are not um, following the, the guidelines of their state and government officials by staying indoors and once that happens you know this is going to be a bit of a, a struggle for everyone uh, I just bought a a couple of games for my family I'm like okay we need to just diversify family night we have to do more you know but I think it's it's resetting the culture but I can't wait until we're back and I hope that a lot of our restaurants and bars survive during this time um, and you know know that we're with you and, and trying to support you Uh, but I I see better days ahead and and I just can't wait for the day where we think back like you remember that man we got through that you know that's what a bar should be you know it should be your cheers it should be that place where you can go and and, you know have a drink and and talk about your issues or or not or just want to go have some great food you know and I think that's one of the things that we consistently celebrate and I hope that even during this downtime we're able to have more interviews with some bartenders and mixologists who, you know, may be on a temporary hiatus, but we can help push that business forward, just like some of the DJs now are doing virtual DJ oh. parties. I don't know exactly yeah. what can happen, but, you know, I, hopefully maybe they'll relax everything and, you know, bartender can get on their bike, you know, with a couple bottles and some mixers and, you know, bike around and make some drinks, you know, who who knows? But I'm um, well, confident about it.
1: They're doing the cocktails to go in Arizona, and it's it's pretty cool to see. There's a couple of people that are doing it really well, and um, that helps people if they can just get um, some drinks delivered. They can make a little money off that. But um, it's funny that you, your book is so good. It mentions uh, Cheers. It really hits close for me because did you did you did you say my book was good? <laughs> well, so there's one part that I really like. It's the there's a lot of parts I like, but one that really struck close to home was. So when I was like 9, 10, 11, I used to have this really small old school TV. I I think it was color, but it was like super small. And Mm -hmm. my grandma used it for here and there. She gave it to me. And I used to just hole up after school. Um, In fifth grade, I had like a mean teacher. I didn't really like my teacher. And I'd just go home after school and like quarantine. And um I would just watch um, Cheers every day, and it just it was so comforting. I don't know what. Yeah. What said in the book, like I didn't drink at the time at all, and I never had any inkling to, and I wasn't in, interested in that. But the vibe of Cheers—you wanted that vibe. In, it was so comforting, and like made me feel you so vibe. good on the winter night when I would just want not want to deal with my family. I didn't want to, you know, deal with people that were giving me a hard time like the teacher, and, yeah. and so I would just go. It was Cheers, and then there was something else. I forget what was on the spirit but... You go back to an old episode of Cheers. I mean, they poured a couple
0: beers, but it wasn't about <laughs> shots and everything. You would, They were would just at a bar, and it was the lives of people at a bar, and it was about the 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 friendship and the kinship that they were able to to, to build with one another. So, you know, I was a kid. I remember watching it in the 80s, like, you know, early 90s, like, eh. That's a cool place, but I, I didn't connect it to the drink until I was,
1: you know, older. So I, I think Sam that's great. polishing glasses. And <laughs> they're always polishing glasses, which is classic. Because that's Sam like a- Sam stayed in the character. office. And then they yeah. were all with bright lights and no music. So it's not like a realistic bar, but it's just a great, it's a great feeling like watching Cheers. And for me, I grew up like you know 30 minutes outside of Boston halfway between Boston and Providence so like I know that spot so it, when I was like a teenager I made my parents take me there for my birthday one year it was really really cool it was different though because they were like it's just it's not quite the same in real life but it, it's already oh, yeah. cool. it, it's
0: it changes but it, it's still a great experience. Um, You know, so where can uh, people find you on social media? If you, you know, I know right now things are a little different and we may be kind of in between moments. But if they kind of want to follow your moment, either you can share your Facebook or social media or however, if anyone has questions.
1: Yeah, I mean, I uh, honestly, um, I have been working in the restaurant industry for like 23, 24 years, basically my whole life but I am honestly unemployed right now, which is scary. Um, yeah, not my biggest worry, but I, I like, I, you know, keep my Instagram updated with, um, uh, lately I've just been kind of like reposting being at home, kind of reposting things that are important to me that I think people should see. Um, so Why not? Either. What's your handle? What's your um, uh, Senor Silverman on Instagram. So just Senor, Senor Silverman. Silverman, all one word. You know, at Senor Silverman, S I L V E R M A N. My friend Eric Brass from Tromba Tequila gave me that nickname of uh, five or six years ago. Tromba has been doing really really good work. Their tequila is really good, and it's been. Um, It's been getting more and more popular, almost as, same thing with Fortaleza, it's been getting more and more popular over the years. Um, Those- I love Fortaleza. Bigger and bigger and they're really, really good. But um, Senor Brass from uh, the CEO of Tromba, he came to Agave in 2011 with just a tequila in his backpack and told me the story about how he just kind of bonded with his friend from Australia. I felt
0: like I was there when that happened
1: yeah it's very possible I, I, it's very all possible
0: time. i was there when that happened
1: um he came in one day and these these guys were from canada and australia but they bonded in mexico and started this brand but they really did it like kind of grassroots and built it up nice and they become really respected and loved in new york especially but miami new york and all over um they just got to arizona like a week or two ago, Arizona is not super exciting to talk about with like the restaurants and bars. There are some really nice ones. Um, mm-hmm. I loved my most recent job working at the Saguaro hotel. It's the same hotel group that uh, runs the, the nomad, the line hotel, the uh, freehand hotel with the broken shaker in New York and Miami and Chicago, LA. Um, great company. But um, unfortunately I was uh, no longer with those guys, but that was, um, part all part of the you know great memories and experiences that I've had in the in the industry and I'm worried for our industry because the restaurant side and the you know the going out to eat and dining and spending money on it's it's going to take a take a toll it's going to be hard but yeah absolutely but hopefully, we, well, hopefully you get a, people are going to get a good value you know we're going to have a recession people are going to get better mm-hmm. value and good food and you know um real hopefully like, you know, real value and prices and, you know, just good tasting food for the for the people. And there's people that are already doing that. Like that you know, I can't um I'm sure we all have our favorites, but um Oh yeah. It's gonna be a long time before the restaurant businesses ever resembles anything like it was even just six months ago and you know, we're going to, you know, what I,
0: I think a lot of people are, are you know, I've, I've read a lot of memes where people are saying, you know, Mother Earth is, is resetting, you know, even yeah. I think in Venice, the canals in Venice, they're saying how the water's clear now because there's not so many gondolas going back and forth through it. So, you know, if you had to find a silver lining through this really troubling time is that, the earth is healing. The number of cars that have not been on the road in the last two weeks, you know, it's healing the earth. So all of those things, I agree. Yeah. All those things are like really positive. Um, you know, I want to, I want to thank you, um, for joining us today and sharing your experiences, your very personal and, and heartfelt experiences with, dealing with Liquid Courage, and also speaking about currently the coronavirus and how it's affecting you and a lot of the restaurants in Arizona and your family as well. Um, this is the episode Liquid Courage with Jay Silverman. I want to make sure I remind you guys to be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Uh, it's on Spotify, um, Audible, Anchor, Google, and it's titled Think Like a bartender like us on instagram at think like a bartender facebook at think like a bartender you see i like things of the same name and uh you know make sure you you join us you know the next time for another kind of exciting episode so jay i always end a podcast and i think this is more appropriate than any other podcast i've done i end this with a shot and you've never heard this toast that i'm about to say so i because i learned this, I think, after my agave days so i'm gonna say the toast
1: kind of funny okay so tell us what you're drinking what's that over there oh let me give a shout out to my friends over at old town tequila in san diego because i always i buy mezcal from them and they deliver it like the next day it's incredible one time town tequila san diego It, one time they forgot about me. It took like 10 or 11 days, and I was like, Hey, what's going on? And they were, they felt so bad that now they just overnight it's me and they don't even charge a lot. The prices are better, too. But if you go to Old Town Tequila and buy their um, tequilas and mezcals, it, it's pretty awesome. It's, it's fun window shopping, anyway, if you don't even want to buy. But Zach from Old Town, been, I've been buying from them for years. I used to do tequila tastings in New York, and I used to go to, you know, the Hamptons or like the Empire Hotel and do tequila tastings for private parties and I would get my stuff from uh, Old Town Tequila and have it shipped to wherever I was going. Um, this is just a fun. Oh that, that's cool. This is an affordable mezcal. It was like 26 bottle. $27 a bottle. It's called Verde Momento. So the green moment. But um, I like the cat on the front. Well so here's the thing. I guess their labels are like just a variety of different there's like a bunch of different pictures and so you never you don't know what you're gonna get. It's kind of like it's almost like uh grassroots kind of, you know, very simple branding. But I got this and I was like, Oh, is that there <laughs> is that, you know So every bottle so is packed. unique in a sense. Yeah, the bottles are cool. It's like a wine bottle. I like this uh Mezcal. It's really, really good for the money. It's or it's uh bottled in um you know oaxaca and it's uh organic it, it does have that organic certification it's going to be really really good for the money but um old town if you just google old town tequila it's really fantastic it, anybody that wants to you can do better shopping there than if you most states like in new york you'll pay more for a bottle in new york than you would just getting it from old town and having it shipped to your door
0: yeah you've actually shared with me in the past several wholesale links
1: Oh. <laughs> Before you were like, oh. No, I've been talking about them for years. All right. So <laughs>
0: get it from here. I was like, okay. So, so here's, so you have it. You have your old town tequila. I have my Verde Jameson. Mezcal, Verde All I drink is mezcal nowadays. Um, you know, that is a, that is a, I'll quickly say this, that's a spirit that I have a respect for. There is a tequila tasting every year in New York. It's called Arte Agave. Yeah. And it's at the Bowery Hotel. Oh, yes. And I've been there about, I've been there about six times, and I love it because of all the beautiful tequilas that you taste and the cocktails, and um, I always go on the mezcal side, and I have a little bit of it, but I have a, I love the uh, Del Mague. It's the crema de mezcal. So when I order a margarita, if I go into a restaurant and order just a standard margarita, no salt, I'll ask for a side of the Del Mague and i float that on top and, and it's it's mescal with a little bit of like uh agave syrup so it's not as of a, a strong punch that a mescal has but you taste a little bit of smoky but a little bit of the sweet and it's beautiful with any like margarita i got to get some sponsorships here we have dropping names i'm going to i'm going to beep these names out until they pay um.
1: beeping it out make sure you drink the godfather ron cooper from Del gay is the godfather he was the one that first imported great mezcal and we could do a whole nother podcast about like what um you know changes have gone on with the tequila industry growing and expanding and qualities going levels going up and down we could do a whole nother thing about that but um and we should maybe your next book but when it um I just thought of the other example of Liquid Courage. I'm, I'm almost glad I didn't mention it, but like <laughs> the, the wedding in Nantucket, um, the Liquid Courage was um, strong that day. <laughs> I was like, maybe I should remember the wedding a little bit better. Yeah. Okay, so the kids are coming back inside. That's all right. Listen, everyone is aware that right yeah. now we are
0: sheltered in place. Yeah. I'm surprised my
1: family. They were good the to see the door.
0: Good, job, good job, kids. Thank you for staying outside. So... <laughs> so we got this. This is it. This is this is the toast. So I'm gonna say this toast. This toast is to the ornithological specimens of identical plumage that habitually congregate in the closest possible proximity. In other words, birds of a feather flock together. Thank you so much, Jay, for joining us. You guys, thanks for tuning in to Our episode five of Think Like a Bartender podcast, Liquid Courage. We are going through a tumultuous time in our country. We all could use more courage. Try not to use the liquid one. Try to look within yourself. Uh, But thanks for tuning in, and we hope to see you guys soon. Cheers. Right. (laughs) Love you. All right.